What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of God and Government. It's been a while since we've done one of these, and I'm honestly uh, pretty stoked that we're back again. Wonderful. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it at this moment. Today we're going to be talking about a very often quoted and often misinterpreted passage. Am I too loud in your ears? Yeah, it's very loud in my ear. <laughs> It's very loud. Your ears are stopped up today. I can't hear anything. <laughs> okay, let me let me help you out here. Is that better? Yeah, oh yeah, that's good. You that's feel good. better now. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Today we're talking about a, a very often quoted and often misinterpreted passage. Um see if you can guess which one it is. It's uh in the book of Romans. Mm. I bet you half the people listening already very know which one it is. Very important chapter. A very important chapter of the book of Romans. That's right. It is Romans 13. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to their governing authorities. Stop. It says nothing else. That's it. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, let's go in, man. Let's talk about this a little bit. So why, why do you think this passage is so often misinterpreted? Well, it is um, quoted quite often this last couple of years, mm-hmm. 2020, 2021, has brought down uh, several mandates from on high. Right. Um, our politicians are decreeing various things, not, not laws, not laws passed by the elected Congress or anything like that, but mm-hmm. our um, elected politicians have been decreeing various mandates, and many Christians have uh, responded, Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, therefore we should obey without question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should um, submit without question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to exposit and apply Romans chapter 13. I love it. This and is so important We're going to really read it, read the whole thing, think about it, and see what God has for us. Amen. Amen. You want to read verses 1 and 2 for us? Let's go. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So mask up. Thank you for um, <laughs> getting right to it. Well, I'm going to do my best not to, uh, to apply it exclusively to masking. Let each person be convinced in his own mind how this applies. Mm. But we're going to lay out the fundamentals and the principles and then they can decide for themselves. Let's do it. I like that. I and, of like course, that. whether to put on a mask or not put on a mask is very nuanced. Depends on the context. Depends on a lot of different things. And so I don't want to be too narrow or put too fine a point on this, but I want to lay out the principles of whether or not we should obey mandates, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. without question. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, let's, let's begin with the context of Romans 13. All right, let's go. I believe that the context from my studies is that there was a spirit in the church that said something like this, Nero is so objectively evil and malicious and malevolent that we need not obey him in any way, shape, or form. Okay. We can become laws unto ourselves. We can completely rebel. We can, in fact, revolt. Now, I would call this a revolutionary spirit. Okay, okay. The reason is because although it is true that Nero was incredibly evil, he was, after all, the beast of Revelation, Mm -hmm. highly persecuting the church, he still did punish murderers and thieves, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. He was not wrong 100% of the time. Okay. He was wrong 
Most of the time. Okay. Okay. So what I believe Paul is trying to say to them is, listen carefully, church. You can't be revolutionaries. Okay. You can't go off on your own as an island unto yourself, a radical individualist following an anarchist revolutionary spirit, simply because the ruler is evil, as our president is. Right. You can't right. disregard and disobey him in every single way. Just as our Congress and our Senate and our judges are all systemically evil and have engaged and promoted systemic evil of many kinds, abortion being probably the greatest if you measure by the leader, mm -hmm. this does not mean that we have the right to revolt and to disobey totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For, for example, we do not have the right to burn down buildings, throw bricks through windows, mm. run around in the streets killing and maiming and lying and stealing and and uh, committing arson and fraud simply because our rulers are somewhat unjust. Mm. We're not revolutionaries. Mm. We're not anarchists. Mm -hmm. We are to be subject to the governing authorities mm -hmm. as a general rule. Right. Well, the Bible talks about the governing authorities being God's ministers. Yeah, and right. we're going to get to that later in chapter 13. Mm -hmm. They are his ministers. And Some of them are obviously not Genesis, his ministers. Genesis chapter 9, whenever Noah's getting off the boat, God institutes government for the first time. He says if anybody kills another man, his life will be forfeit as a result of it. That's right. And we see all those little moments come out. God put government there to restrain a fallen world, and that's a good thing. That's we right. We want that. It's his institution mm -hmm. for promoting the good and restraining evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are where it is in alignment with God's law. To obey, you can see that in the second half of verse 1, it says, For there is no authority, except from God. Mm -hmm. The Greek would read more literally, There is no authority, if not from God. Mm. Meaning, if they are claiming authority or jurisdiction mm. that God has not given them, mm -hmm. then they have no actual authority. Ah. And you do not have to obey them. However, if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, even in part like restraining evil, which mm -hmm. even tyrants do, right? then where you can, you're to obey. Right. Um, th th this can be clearly understood if we apply it to another institution that God invented, the family. Okay. The family has a hierarchy just as the civil state does. The family's hierarchy consists of the father and the mother. The father is the head of the household. Mm -hmm. He is mm -hmm. the covenantal head, mm -hmm. the house-bound one. And the wife is the life giver and the helpmate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are we to obey our parents? Yes. The Bible says to obey your parents. Right. Therefore, do we obey them totally and ultimately in all things without question and without any sort of, um, you know, freedom of conscience? No. Of course not. Right. Because no that would one be believes that. Right. Now, have there been traditional societies in the past that said the father as patriarch was absolute ruler and must be obeyed in all things, and this led to the oppression of the members of the household? Mm -hmm. You can see where this is going. Right. There That's have right. been cultures like that. Right. Or the divine right of kings, even. We were talking about that a little bit before the show started. That That's was a right. particular political If we ideology, apply this but. same pagan concept of total ultimate rule by an earthly person, mm -hmm. it's called divine right of kings or rex lex, mm -hmm. where the king is above the law or the king is law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the father is not law. The king is not law. The church, the Bible tells us to obey the authorities placed over us in the church. Would anyone today argue that we to obey the pastors totally and ultimately without question? No, no one would. Everyone, in fact, is very concerned about fatherly 
authority and right. pastoral authority. Right. But when it comes to the civil rulers, Romans 13, obey without question. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. because the state, let me just jump the gun here and make a bold assertion. It's because the church has syncretized its religion with statism, mm. the predominant idolatrous religion of the West. Mm-hmm. We have not torn down the high places. We worship at the, at the Ashtaroths. Mm. We worship Baal. Mm-hmm. And our bail is the state. Now, how, how specifically would you say that's happening in the church today? Just as this one example, we question fatherly authority, we question pastoral authority, mm. but when it comes to the civil leaders, without question, Romans 13. submit. Mm. Now, that is not how you apply Romans chapter 13. We yeah. are, however, not anarchists, not revolutionaries, not insurrectionists, as we might be um, labeled as. Mm. We mm. are to obey the authorities as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. As it submits to God mm. and God's law. Right. Moreover, in our own country, we have a hierarchy that has been established by national covenant. And over the president, over the judges, over the legislatures is a constitution. Mm-hmm. So in our particular situation, we do not have to obey that which is in defiance of the Constitution. Right. Why is all of this true? It's because of a biblical concept that is in Christian heritage and in the Bible that, of course, if we lose, we're going to lose. Right. And it's that all authority is derived from God. Mm. Amen. No earthly authority is total. The throne is not on earth. The throne is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says in Romans 1b, there is no authority if not from God. Mm. Because all authority is derived from God, and therefore, if they go against God or against their covenantal oaths, as in the Constitution, for example, right. or a police officer who is not protecting and serving you but tyrannically abusing you, mm-hmm. or a father or a pastor, you do not have to obey. You may resist. Mm. Because all authority is not authority unless it is from God. Amen. Amen. There's a great book on this that I just finished not too long ago, so... Dr. Glenn Shunshine, I'm sure you know about this already. Yeah, great. Slaying Leviathan. He he doesn't draw a ton of conclusions in this book. That's not the point of the book. The point is to talk through historically how the church has interacted with governing spheres. That's right. And it's it's very, very helpful to be able to put all these things in categories. So if you haven't read it yet, Slaying Leviathan, Dr. Glenn Shunshine, check it out. Great recommendation. So Christianity teaches derived authority from God. Paganism teaches ultimate authority of an earthly power, Mm. whether it be a patriarchal society, an ecclesiological society where uh, the church rules over all or the the priests rule over all, Mm. or a Mm -hmm. status society like first century Rome. Mm -hmm. Pagan societies teach the absolute divine right of earthly rulers. Mm -hmm. They move the throne to earth. Mm-hmm. They put the kingdom's headquarters on earth. It's not built on the foundations of the Bible, of that's right. who God is. It's built on something completely different. That's right. And because our nation is throwing off Christianity and its heritage and biblical truth, mm-hmm. we are having our civil uh, authorities um, adjusted. We're having our, our understanding of justice adjusted. Mm-hmm. We're having our understandings of obedience and authority adjusted to more of a pagan divine right concept. Right. You know, King George, he uh, believed he was above the law. Mm. Our founding father said, no, you are not. You too are subject to the covenants, Mm. the national covenants, the national treaties, and to the law of God. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, the kings of the um, Middle Ages believed very often that they had divine right, that they were above the law. Mm -hmm. Rex Lex is the famous um, expression. But the king is law. Mm -hmm. Well, the Puritans resisted this. In fact, one particular Puritan wrote a book called Lex Rex. Samuel Rutherford was his name. Mm -hmm. And you you would not be surprised by this, but 
his book was censored by the establishment. Shock. Yep, censored. So, like, the little Facebook box popped up underneath it. Bling, insurrectionist. Fact check. That's right, because the king was declaring himself to be the law, and Samuel Rutherford was saying, no, God's law is law. Hmm. It trumps any king's law. That's right. Right. And he made his case from the Bible, Mm -hmm. and it was censored. That's that's what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. We are freeing the consciences of Christians Amen. to submit to God's law. Now, Amen. we must state the other side of the coin once again. This does not mean you get to be a vigilante, that you get to be an anarchist. Right. You still must obey as much as you possibly can because they are an institution designed by God, and they are there to restrain evil. That's right. That's right. So here's some, uh, here's some um, takings from various American court rulings, and I think they illustrate the principle. Okay, Listen good. to this quote. All laws repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. And if anyone would like to private message us, I'll give them the the, uh, sources of these particular case laws. Okay. These are established case laws in our our court systems. And you can see the principle there that if the law is not in submission to the Constitution, which is over it, Mm -hmm. then it is null and void. Period. How about this one? An unconstitutional act is not law. It confers no rights, imposes no duties. It is as though it had never been passed. Now, what is that, an unconstitutional act? Anything that goes against the supreme authority of the land, that is the Constitution, that is our covenantal documents as a nation, Mm. which all um, politicians and civil rulers swear an oath to, Mm. if they break their oath, if they break their covenant, and they go against the Constitution... What they are doing is unjust, unconstitutional, and in the quote of this particular law, as though, as though it had never been passed. Mm. Mm-hmm. The general rule is an unconstitutional statute, though having form and name of law is in reality no law. No one is bound to obey an unconstitutional law. And you can see, okay, so we were talking about this before the show actually started. You can see this playing out in our contemporary history right now in the case of John MacArthur and right. his church in California. Right. So they, they, the governor of California, whose name escapes me, um, puts this in place. Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom puts this in place. He says, no churches can meet. And John MacArthur said, no, we're going to keep meeting. And the state continued to put pressure on them and attempted to close their church. And, and John MacArthur and his congregation continued to meet throughout of it. And then on the other side, whenever I think things were finally released or they were allowed to meet, quote unquote, by the state again, they sued the state. And took them to the cleaners and got nearly a million dollars in restitution to the church because of these laws. That's right. Because of these things right Because here. of the Christian heritage and the belief that authority is derived, mm-hmm. that it is not ultimate. That's right. That if it is in violation of its authority, it is null and void. That's exactly correct. And we all know this deep down when it comes to fathers and pastors. We're quick to remind everyone. <laughs> but why? Because are it's we the not? culture of the age. Yeah, it's the spirit of the age. The yeah. zeitgeist is statism. That's the right. state will protect you. The state will feed you and care for you and, and fund your church in mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. 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 The Christians have got to tear down the high places. Amen. We have got to stop rendering total, absolute allegiance to the gods of this age, mm. the premier one, which is the state. Amen. Let me ask you this. If Paul were, by chance, commanding blind and total obedience, mm. what would we make of the fact that he went to prison all the time? <laughs> or, let's say this, too, because a little bit later, not only does he go to prison... 
but he actually runs away from the governing authorities. That's He's right. like lowered secretly outside of the city and runs for his life. That's right. He's not operating in submission. No. The same thing. You can see that over and over again. But let me ask you, is Paul a revolutionary, though? Is he towing, throwing off all, all restraint? Is he in total disregard of all civil authorities? Well, clearly he's not, because he's, he's not. telling in, people. In fact, the one that lowered him down in a basket was like what we would think of as a police officer, mm. a local, a local uh, official. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Let me ask you this. If Paul were commanding total and blind obedience to the governing authorities, what would we make of the fact that Jesus was crucified as an enemy of state, a blasphemer, mm. a thief, mm-hmm. and, the deci- and the martyrdom of all the disciples. Right. Well, they must have been doing something wrong, Brandon. Yeah. We see, we you see, see the implication real fast. Then you have to say that Jesus was sinning. You have to. If oh. Romans 13 is absolute obedience, That's of course right. it's not. Now, we can debate as to where the line is drawn. Right. But Romans 13 is no uh, successful quip to right. do this, Romans do 13. that, roll over and play dead. No, That's right. Absolutely not. Oh, um, I now, love that we're talking about this. If an authority's sin justified total disregard, which we are not saying. Correct. We're not insurrectionists. <laughs> we are not revolutionaries. We right. are not anarchists, uh, just in spite of whatever labels might be thrown our ways. If their authority's <laughs> sin... If the authority's sin justified total disregard, what sort of behavior would that lead to? What do you think? Uh, well, if we thought the system was unjust and the ruler was totally unjust, this is such a softball. We, and that meant we get to just do whatever the heck we want as anarchists. What sort of behavior would that look like? Uh, it would look like riots in the streets. Mm-hmm. It would look like buildings being burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. It would look like bricks through windows, looting, all of the beautiful moments. That's what it would look like. Exactly. Christians are not looters. Correct. Christians are not anarchists or revolutionaries. Correct. But Christians, with honor, with respect, with charity and love, as much as is possible, living in peace with all men, Mm. we do not have to obey unconstitutional, according to our own laws, Mm -hmm. nor unbiblical commandments, Mm -hmm. whether it be from a father, pastor, or a civil ruler, or anyone. But really, that last one is where we're hung up right now as a culture, though. Of course, of course. Now, how would we then... Say no. What are our various options? That's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. There are several examples in Scripture of when Christians come under the tyranny Mm -hmm. of the authorities, Mm -hmm. the people with the guns, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how they resist. And there's a lot of different examples. I can give I can give you quite a few and I'll run through them if you don't if we have time. Hit me. We got time. The first one is you can give in. That is an option. You know, if it's not going against your conscience. And it's not a proper time to fight or run or disregard. Because there, we should also say that there is a, a right time strategically to fight, run away, stand your ground, sure, whatever. We'll get, yeah, and we're going to get to that. But you can. Let's just begin. You can give in. That's what I do with most of my taxes. Just give in. Our, the, our government is engaged in illicit activities. Mm-hmm. Unjust activities, theft of uh, and murder of uh, of all manner. Mm-hmm. It is um, collecting by force taxes to do that which God never mandated it to do. Mm-hmm. We are under a, a, a situation of great tyranny by the bureaucratic state. Mm-hmm. But the IRS has big guns. <laughs> yep, and so. They do. So we give in. And they point them at people who don't pay their taxes. And so I say, well, why would you give in? Well, because I want to win the war, not the battle. 
Hmm. I've got children. That if you just go off to jail for 20 years because of tax fraud. Exactly. Right. That's a different thing. But if I send my children off into the future with the values of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and they are claiming the lordship of Christ over every area of life, mm-hmm. and they're working hard and preaching the gospel to the nations, well, mm-hmm. then I win the war, even Amen. though I've lost a battle. Amen. We see this early in the book of uh, Genesis, where, um, oh, the name's escaping me right now, but I believe it was Jacob who refused to fight against Abimelech. Abimelech came into his land and stole all of the wells that he had dug, or his father had oh, okay. dug, Abraham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of mm-hmm. course, to, uh, to dig a well in those days was no small feat. Right. This was probably one of the greatest um, advancements of technology in that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you have to work with? A shovel in the desert. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So this right. was a major accomplishment of Abraham's life, and Jacob inherited these wells. Abimelech, a great tyrant in the area, came to take the wells. And what did Jacob do? He gave in, and he just went somewhere else. Mm. He did not believe that bloodshed was worth the wells at that point. Mm. There was plenty of other places to go. But we know in another particular portion of Scripture where a tyrant tried to steal someone's land, uh, namely Ahab, Jezebel, trying to steal Naboth's vineyard, Mm -hmm. Naboth said no, and he resisted and lost his life for it. Mm. Why? Why one resists and fights and the other gives in? I think it's because Naboth had nowhere else to go, and he wasn't willing to have his children disinherited. Mm. By the whims of a tyrant, he was willing to fight in that matter, Mm. and he was free to do so. Mm -hmm. There may have been people that told him, Naboth, you know, eminent domain, the sovereign one has eminent domain over all of your property and can take it at his will for the common good, Mm. Romans 13. I'm sure they said all kind of stuff to Naboth, but no, the Lord had given him that property. It was his Mm. by right, and he had every freedom to fight for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Another one, and that's, that one would be, Naboth would be called fighting on principle. Mm-hmm. Another one is to stand on principle like all the disciples eventually did. You know, they all eventually were martyred. Right. At some point, they stood on principle and didn't run from town to town. Right. Sometimes they left the town shaking the dust off their feet. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, f- they fled, as in the book of Acts, fleeing to Antioch. But sometimes they stayed and they died on principle. That's mm-hmm. another option you have. Right. Of course, you can preach against the tyranny, as all the uh, disciples and apostles uh, modeled for us. Yeah, Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Especially when he said, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. Of course, relativizing <laughs> Caesar's authority as the, uh, right. the, the, the beast, as the false messiah of that day. Right. Right. We can also disregard. You know, Jesus disregarded Herod all the time. You know, in fact, the, the interactions between Jesus and Herod are, are quite comical in the scriptures. Mm. Herod would tell him that he no longer had the right to preach in a certain quadrant of the city in the public space. He was being censored by the establishment. Mm-hmm. They didn't like his message so much. And he was just continuing to preach in the public square. Mm. He had the freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. God-given freedom. Herod didn't have a right to take that from him. Mm-hmm. And when they came and they reported to Jesus that Herod said, you shouldn't be preaching out here in the public space like this. And, you know, Herod wanted to uh, uh, censor him. Jesus said, you go and tell that fox, basically, I'm not only preaching, I'm also healing the sick and uh, giving sight to the blind, Mm. causing the lame to walk. Totally disregarded him. Right. And in fact, when he said, you go and tell that fox, he used the feminine form of the word fox. That's disrespectful. That's... And I... I, How dare... He said, you go and tell that uh, female fox, which I think is called a vixen... You go, you go tell that, that silly goose, you go tell that vixen that I'm not only preaching, that I'm healing the sick. He totally disregarded this usurper tyrant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the crowds laughed at that because Absolutely. everyone really knows who was in charge of Herod. It was his wife. 
I think that's, that's right. the butt. I think that's the punchline. Uh, I think. I, I think. Uh, but he I get disregarded. It. Yeah. You can also flee. You know, I think that's what Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Yeah. He was fleeing from uh, oppression, tyrannical oppression. Of mm-hmm. course, he ended up in prison regardless. Mm-hmm. But you can flee just as all the uh, pilgrims did. Yeah. Right? Many of the Puritans, you can flee. Mary you, and Joseph. Yeah, Mary and Joseph. You can also use lawyers. In fact, at the, at the end of the book of Galatians, I believe Paul, uh, I think it's the end of the book of Galatians, Paul says, say hi to the uh, so-and-so, the lawyer for me. Uh, many scholars believe that uh, paul had a lawyer on his team and of course you know that he used the law against his oppressors all the time yeah they were beating him and he's like is it uh, just for you to beat a roman citizen citizen without uh, trial come on (laughs) can't do this Uh uh-oh there's co-belligerency in the bible as well which is um well paul he's on trial you know he's on trial for Treason, blasphemy, mm, uh, preaching right. Christ as king, Jesus as Lord. He brings in the Sadducees with him there for a minute, doesn't he? Well, he, he has the Sadducees on one side. He's got the Pharisees on the, uh, on the next, all surrounding him in the great Sanhedrin. It's uh, like this uh, hall. And he, says, and he says, I have preached the resurrection from the beginning. Oh, that's right. He brings the Pharisees yeah, in yeah. with him. <laughs> and, they, and the whole crowd erupts um, because start. the Pharisees believed the resurrection. The right. Sadducees didn't. Right. Right. And, and that was like an ongoing back and forth. It's like the Republicans and the Democrats back and forth. Mm. Um, but nobody really cares that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Paul played them against each other, which I think is fantastic. Um, you can call the cops when, when Paul, like I was saying, when Paul was lowered down in a basket from the, uh, from the city. I'm, I'm almost certain, if I remember correctly, that someone had called like a local cop to let them know about the uh, plot to kill him. Mm. And the local cop was the one that aided and abetted his escape. Mm. So you can get the locals to help you. Yep. Of course, you can just do the time, and it's you an can too. sometimes go to war. Mm. And you can pray the war psalms Ooh. while you go to war. There's war psalms. War oh, psalms, that's yeah, right, the baby. imprecatory psalms. Jesus um, wrote them yeah, you know, through David, and David loved his enemies even when he sang the imprecatory psalms against them. And so <laughs> should we. So should we. So we have a lot Amen. of options to deal with tyrants. But one we do not have, as Romans 13 makes clear, is we don't have the right to totally disregard where they are keeping God's commandments we need to obey. Mm. We are good, civ- good civilians. We are good citizens. Mm. Christian morality, Christian virtue is civic virtue. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, we would never join a war unless we were joining a war under another authority, right. under another civil authority. Mm. We, we would never rise up and, and reject unless we are naming the name of some other civil authority. Mm. Like that's, we're not revolutionaries. We're not unorganized anarchists or looters. Mm. We are good citizens at that's the end the of the day. the lesser magistrate, right? Yeah, there. the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Mm. Look it up if you want to learn more about that. So let me ask at the end, does, does, the, does the governor have the right, the elected politician, the governor, have the right to unilaterally and arbitrarily just shut down people's businesses. No. No, not generally speaking, no. Hmm. Hmm. Does he have the right to pass rules regarding worship? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He doesn't have a right to overcome private property. He doesn't have a right to, by force, Mm -hmm. take your business from you Mm -hmm. or to shut it down or demand you do this or that with your property Mm -hmm. and with your income. Of course... Unfortunately, in our nation, we're a long ways down right. uh, the road to slavery, right. the road to serfdom. Mm-hmm. And so we've been traveling this way for quite some time that most people don't recognize it when it happens to them. Right. 
but um, but he doesn't have the right, and we have the right to disregard. Amen. So, Amen. There's a lot more to say about Romans 13. We've only covered verses one and two. Man, that was fun to cover it that too, was good. wasn't it? That was nice, guys. Thanks so much again for joining us for an episode of God and Government. You can find every podcast that we put out anywhere that you find podcasts: Household and Homestead, God and Government, Rapture Radio, and more. Um, just go search for those things any place that you find podcasts, whether it's on Apple Radio or Deezer or whatever it would be. You can also go to our website, wearechristchurch.com, to find more resources from us. Thank you again so much for joining us. Please give us a rating and review. And we will catch y'all next time.